Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. So today we're going to be talking about drinking water quality in the context of group water schemes. And I'm delighted to be joined by Sean Carrigan, Sean Carrigan uh, and Patrick McCabe from the National Federation of Group Water Schemes, who are joining us to share with, with us some innovative actions that they're rolling out in conjunction with landowners across uh, the country. Uh, Sean and Patrick, you're very welcome to uh, the webinar today. Thanks very much, Martin. Thanks very much, Martin. Thank you. Um, we're also joined by Pat Murphy in uh, down in County Wexford this morning. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning. Good to, see, good to be back. Good to be back. We're all alive anyway, so <laughs> small, the small blessings. Um, so um, maybe, uh, Sean, if I could ask you to, to maybe tell us a bit about the, the, the work that you're doing uh, and your own background. Sure. Well, I suppose I, I'm working with the National Federation Group Water Schemes. Uh, I've been with, back with them now for about a year. I started off with them about six, six or seven years ago. Well, actually about 14 years ago, actually. I spent seven years working as a manager and as a development officer as well for a, a short period of time and went over to Irish Water then. And I'm back on this particular project now in, in Roscommon, where we're working with fantastic farmers across Roscommon and group water scheme managers and Roscommon County Council as well to help protect our, our water sources, which are so important to all of us, you know, without good quality drinking water, we're in a lot of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting project, and you'll hear about it now over the next, I suppose, half an hour or so, forty minutes. Really looking forward to hearing about more about it. And uh, Patrick, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing? You're up in Monaghan today, is that right? Yeah, in, indeed, Mark. Um, I'm up in Monaghan. I've been uh, working with the, the National Federation of Group Water Schemes as a source protection officer now since 2019. And um, the 12 months prior to that, I was working directly for Stranuven Group Water Scheme, sort of to try and implement the start of the, the phase two source protection project that we have got going, currently ongoing. Um, prior to that, I worked as a number of years in consultancy, but I suppose my first dealings with the Federation and, and the schemes in Monaghan goes back to 2010 when I was involved in a project there that was assessing the lake sediments in some of the, the inter-Dumlin lakes in County Monaghan. And um, so that's just a bit of history and connection Brilliant. back to the, the Federation. Brilliant. Thanks for, for that, Patrick. And uh, Sean, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what the National uh, Federation for Group Water Schemes does and, and just maybe explain to us uh, not everybody will be familiar with the concept of, of water schemes. Yeah, group, group water schemes. I suppose back in the early 60s, only one in eight families had a piped water supply. So communities came together, they put it, put money together, they got grants from the government, and they put in their own group water schemes. So we have a very close association with the farming community because without the farmers, you know, the pipes would have nowhere to go. So I worked for a group water scheme myself um, about 10 years ago down in Ballycroy. And people think of group water schemes as small in the rural areas. But Ballycroy, for example, had 130 miles of pipe work in the ground. So we're, we're a body that helps these group water schemes. There are about 75,000 uh, connections, 75,000 families across rural Ireland that depend on water from group water schemes. So the National Federation of Group Water Schemes is a body that works with the government. It works with local authorities. Budgets works with quality assurance. We have a level of expertise within the Federation of Water Schemes that we help these voluntary-run, voluntary-owned rural community group water schemes. Brilliant. So there's a, a strong spirit of volunteerism there, by the sounds of it. There is, yeah. Like you know, a lot of these group water schemes that you know, if you think about it, the seventy-five thousand families across rural Ireland that depend on volunteers. You know, you, you have these, you have boards that are set up. Every group water scheme member has an equal share. They're cooperatives. So, you know, there's, there's a very strong sense of buy-in and ownership within the group water scheme sector itself, which is very helpful for ourselves when we're implementing these source protection measures. You know, we're not coming in as an outside body. We have very, very strong managers in a lot of our bigger group water schemes across the country. And what the Federation of Group Water Schemes does is, you know, we have our own quality assurance programs. The water that you receive from your tap is as good as anything on a public water supply as well. So we're there to help communities, we're there to work with communities and a lot of our own staff, a lot of our own team are actually on group water schemes themselves as well. Okay, so uh, what we'll do is we're gonna have two presentations this morning. Patrick, you're gonna start us off. So if I could ask you to to share your screen with us and just while Patrick is sharing his screen, uh, just to remind everyone that you can send send your questions to us using the Q&A tab at the bottom of your screen. 
Uh, and also that today's uh, webinar is brought to you by Chagisk in collaboration with Dairy Sustainability Ireland, Food Drink Ireland Skillnet, and also the National Rural Network. So uh, uh, Patrick, uh, we can see your screen okay there. So we'll hand okay. over to you. Yeah, great. thanks very much, Mark, and thanks very much for having us on this morning to talk about some of the source protection works that's um, ongoing within the National Federation of Group Water Schemes, and particularly this morning we'll focus on the, the source protection pilot projects that have been running since 2018. Um, yeah, so just, I suppose, to give a bit of a background to the Federation, um, it was founded in 1997 and um, it was very instrumental in rolling out the Rural Water Programme, which was agreed in 1998. Um, and what that does is, what the Federation are here to do is to try and help administer some of the grants that are given to community-owned rural water schemes. And with that, we have other responsibilities. We try and um, encourage schemes to... Um, future-proof their, their schemes from a source protection perspective, um, try and encourage them to adapt biodiversity and climate adaption measure they possibly can, but also to give them a bit of guidance and support and training on the quality assurance that's needed to deliver a safe and potable uh, drinking water. So just um, in terms of group water schemes, there's approximately 380 privately sourced regulated schemes across the country. And I suppose over the last 10 years, the key focus from a source protection perspective has been the development of what's called phase one preliminary source protection plans. And, and to date now, we've probably got about 95% of the schemes, the regulated schemes in Ireland have completed this. And what the principal output from that was, it meant that schemes knew where the drinking water was coming from. For surface water schemes, they had their catchments delineated, while for groundwater schemes that are abstracting from maybe boreholes or, or springs, they had their, their zone of contribution um, delineated. Uh, following that exercise, we've seen that the, the type of source out there was, was quite variable in terms of type, catchment characteristic, and indeed the raw water quality. So to try and advance past the phase one report, um, we wanted to try and bring the source protection to the next level and develop what's called integrated source protection pilot plans for each of these schemes. And to do that, the Federation, with a lot of help from a lot of individuals, including Donald Daly, and indeed from Chagas and um, yourselves, developed uh, a framework for drinking water source protection in 2019. And what this does, it largely builds on the work that the EPA and the Law Pro have done in their own catchment characterization process, but it, it sort of tailors it and tweaks it to be more adaptive for a drinking water catchment. And I suppose the key goal of this is to put a structure on, on it and a bit of guidance to, well, how do you go about defining if your, your source water or your untreated water is, is satisfactory and therefore merits protection, or maybe is unsatisfactory and necessitates an improvement? But more importantly, how do we make this improvement? So I suppose to do that, then we developed a plan and we wanted to try and trial this on pilot project sites. And as opposed to running through the list of the various stages that you run through for within the framework, I'm going to give a couple of slides now this morning on how we've done this for the Stranudan Group Water Scheme, give practical examples of how we've done it for the Stranudan Group Water Scheme. The Stranudan Group Water Scheme are a surface water supplied scheme, and I'll be focusing on that this morning, whereas Sean is working over in Roscommon and Westmead on groundwater supplied schemes. So the very first stage, what we do before we do anything else, and it might seem like an obvious step, is we look at the untreated water quality. And within our framework, we've set guide values on the key parameters and what we need to look out for. And um, where we've taken these guide values from, we've taken them from the surface water regulations, or maybe if it's more appropriate, we've taken it from the drinking water regulations. And in some instances, we have applied a, a percentage of these guide values, just in case we get near that upper limit. Um, so if we take a look at the table there, some examples of some of the key parameters and the problems we have in the Stranudan Group Water Scheme, we see that total phosphorus is particularly problematic. It's um, two to three times the limit of where it needs to be at. Um, now, while phosphorus itself doesn't necessarily have a health implication, it can cause indirect problems in terms of it can cause algal blooms that can cause us problems with filtration. Indeed, um, algal blooms can can help drive up the THMs in the water once it's chlorinated. What I mean by THMs, it's, it's those substances, the trihalomethanes that we hear about in the, in the press that are potentially linked to being carcinogenic. Now, there's a lot of research out there as to what limit 
that should be at and certain jurisdictions have different limits. But in Ireland, we've got quite a, a stringent limit of 100 micrograms per litre. So that's what we have to work off. Um, we can see from the table there, another major problem in Stranouden is the herbicide MCPA. And we're probably all very familiar with what MCPA is. For those that aren't, it's most commonly used, but not uniquely used in Ireland for, um, for the, the treatment of rushes. And uh, we can see there that we're numerous times above our, our guide value. And why this is so critical to group water schemes and in particular the Stranouden group water scheme is because whilst it's a good complicated and a sophisticated treatment system that the, the scheme have in place in Stranouden, it, it isn't capable of taking out or wasn't designed to take out those acid herbicides. And to do so and to retrofit the plant would cost cost an awful lot of money. So that's why social protection is so important to us. I suppose that's all the bad news. It's not all bad news. We look there, we see our ammonium and our nitrates um, aren't particularly causing us a problem and the average annual concentrations in our lake aren't just a cause for concern just yet. And maybe we'll talk about that and why that is the case as we walk through the slides. So now that we know what the problems are, uh, we need to try and figure out well, where is where are the problems coming from? And um, that's, we have to go out into the catchment to do that. And this is just a, a screenshot of the Sherneuden Group Water Scheme catchment, which abstracts its water from White Lock outside uh, Bally Bay in County Monaghan. Um, it's quite a large catchment. It's about 125 kilometres squared in area. It would be one of the largest catchments from a, from a group water scheme perspective. Um, and it was decided that this was a good, robust scheme to pick when we were trying to do our pilot project because of the size and the complexity. And indeed, because it has pressures, not just from agriculture, but from urban wastewater and from domestic pressures as well. Now, the white lock itself is positioned down here to the, the, the western corner of the catchment. And there's two significant tributaries that feed into it. Number one being the Dromore River, which comes in from the north, and number two being the Loch Major stream, which comes in from the east. Now, when we move out into the catchment and to our, our sample and monitoring stations, uh, we have to try and look and see, well, what is exactly going on? And if we look at the green boxes down here in the Loch Major stream, we can see that the, the concentrations of orthophosphate in these particular sampling points are below the, the limit that need, needed for good status. So therefore, from, from a phosphorus perspective, they're at good status. Which, but then if we look at the, this, the upper reaches or the headwaters of the Dromore, the yellow boxes, we can see that, particularly at this sampling point, the Gerald Valley sampling point, it's um, almost twice where it needs to be. And this particular catchment, for, for future reference, we call this the Daryl Valley subcatchment, which makes up the upper Dromore. So all of a sudden, we're starting to build a picture as to where maybe our problem is in this 125 kilometre squared catchment. Just to give a snapshot, the other problem from our table of what we have in the lake has been a problem is the MCPA. Uh, this is a snapshot from a sampling uh, round that was completed in June of 2018. Now, this particular figure of 4.6 will be on the very upper scale of, of, of of MCP exceedances in the country. And um, just to put it into perspective, the drinking water limit is 0.1 micrograms per litre. Now, this would have been taken back, if we remember 2018, it would have been drought periods. So there would have been very low dilution in that particular river that was causing such a high spike. But even at that, it's probably there was probably some direct input there and mismanagement going on to cause it to be such a level. But if we look at the results and sit back, it's probably painting a similar picture to the phosphorus. It's this particular Dara Valley subcatchment that's causing us an issue as the, the levels recorded over in the Loch Major stream side were a lot lower. And just to walk through it, we see that it's a 0.46 here in the, in the Dromore River. And as we move on down in through the Bally Bay wetlands, it gets further diluted by this water, uncontaminated water, should we say, from the east. And then it moves on down to 0.7 micrograms per litre and then into the lake itself and it's further diluted to 0.5 micrograms per litre. But even with that dilution, that's still five times the limit that we need to be at. So now that we've looked at well, what are our problems potentially where they're coming from, we need to ask the question, why? And to do that, we look at the susceptibility maps that the EPA have produced. And I suppose just to explain this particular image, um, there's two very prominent colours on the screen there. We have a, a dark brown, which represents high susceptibility losses to the near surface flow, basically meaning it's very vulnerable to overland flow. Um, whereas the yellow is represented by more freer draining soils and it's less susceptible to overland flow. So straight away, we can see in the Derry Valley subcatchment, over 90% of it is highly susceptible to overland losses. And that's reflective by those phosphorus results that we're seeing in the water. Conversely, the Loch Major stream, um, where we're not getting the phosphorus exceedances, you know, it, 
down, down to the fact they've been partially the fact there's been a lot more free draining. Now, interestingly, in this situation, nitrate sometimes can be a problem and it can work its way in through base flow into the river. But the fact that we don't have a nitrate problem, I suppose, in the lake means that for now, that particular source pathway receptor linkage just isn't causing us any concern for the time being. So we need to focus primarily on our phosphorus and our herbicides. Just in tandem to this particular desk study and to the ongoing uh, monitoring program that we've got going on, there was a, a number of further catchment characterization tasks that was carried out, including a series of river and uh, catchment walks. And um, we can just see from the, the top um, screen there was an example of some of the mismanagement that we did notice when we were out and about. And what simply has what, what has happened here is the fact that it was there's an electric fence there and the particular landowner would have applied the, the, the roundup of the glyphosate underneath the fence um, obviously to, to kill back the vegetation so it wouldn't earth the electric fence and um, and but and simply that was going to cause an issue because it was so close it was within the five meters or indeed it was right adjacent to the river um, but but with a bit of engagement and a bit of um, explaining our situation that particular farmer was very receptive and come on board and the evidence to the right hand side, the picture on the top right, shows that he had an appreciation once it was sort of explained and worked with him and, and where we were coming from. Now the bottom left hand image is a, a scene no doubt we all see across the countryside, it's the the yellow or the red grass running up alongside the, the roadway or the, the entrances and and it's 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 parliament across the country and it's 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 causing an issue and um, particularly in County Munnan in a catchment like this where there's a very high drainage density it's gonna cause an issue because you're never too far away from 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 water in Munnan as I say normally at the back of these hedges there is shucks and drains and indeed in this particular example about a metre and a half across the road, there was indeed a drain. So there's a nice impermeable surface there. If a deluge rain did come, that the glyphosate would get across into our river and down into our drinking water supply. So to tackle these, and a key um, a key step in the framework is the design and implementation of mitigation measures or source protection measures. So to do this, and MCP being probably our, our principal contaminant there, um, the scheme come up with a solution of potentially trialing a weed wiping program. Now this program was 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 first trialed in, in Northern Ireland water in a number of um, catchments up the north, and uh, so we just took it, ran with it, uh, use it as an example to see could we get buy-in, could we offer this as an alternative solution for the elimination of the usage of MCP in the catchment, and um, indeed Ross McDonald, who is the current Group Water Scheme um, Source Protection Manager and is now running this particular project, has been working very closely with a number of farmers in the catchment, and to date of the 120 catchment farmers in that particular sub-catchment, um, there's about 70 have now used the weed wiping trial and eliminate the use of MCP now that's quite a very good figure and indeed just because there's 50 that's not involved it doesn't necessarily mean those 50 are still spraying uh, MCPA. Some land is that bit better and might require it. Some land is that bit less intensive and isn't just managed that way. Um, but indeed there would still be some farmers for sure that maybe the weed wiping mightn't be the most appropriate means of, um, of, of running their, their grassland management program. So I know Ross is very keen and he's engaging with those missing farmers in the catchment this year a bit of further education and he's got a few um, things going on about that. Um, so just in addition to the trying to mitigate against our pesticides, we also know that diffuse losses via overland flow is a significant problem. So we've been we've been working on that uh, as well. Um, this is a particular example of a, of a farmer that owns about a kilometre of land running adjacent to that Dromore River at, at Derry Valley. And in this particular instance, the farmers worked with us. We've put in a 1.5 metre buffer for those areas that are less critical, whilst the steeper ground, at the foot of that steeper ground where it's likely there's larger flows, um, we've put in a three to five metre buffer to try and intercept some of that flow. Now this is a, this next picture might paint that story a little bit better. We can see this is from near ground level and um, we can see the, the steep topography in the background there where we have focused those deeper buffers and the, the flatter ground where we have focused those uh, minimal buffers. So this dynamic buffer approach is something that we're really trying to, to bring on board in this particular project. Now, um, just to move on, I have a little video to play here. Um, what this video is gonna show is, what we've tried to do when we're designing these measures is to look and see where the discharge points are on the water network and where is 
the phosphorus and other contaminants flowing in. And the EPA have done an awful lot of work now lately on, on mapping this and um, uh, mapping diffuse points and the diffuse maps I know will be out very shortly and we're very keen to use those um, in the rest of this catchment if need be and indeed in other group water scheme catchments across the country. But this is an example of what those maps show on the ground and this is just an example. Now, it's quite windy in the background but I want to give an example of what to look out for and what we were looking out for when we were trying to design these measures. Just in that particular video there, we see that it was after a heavy rainfall event, as evident by the, by the pluvial flooding there in the actual field. But you can notice that the discharge point was quite localised. So therefore, when we're designing measures, that's the area we target our deeper, more dynamic smart buffer, and we can relax it back on the rest of the particular uh, water course. And in this particular instance, it's also very interesting the fact that this was a drainage channel. The flows weren't actually going into the Dromore River itself. It was to a land drain or a drainage channel that was then flowing into the Dromore. So it also leads to the question that we need to consider the drains carefully and not just the obvious uh, water channel that might be marching the land. This is another example of a, of a work solution with a, with a landowner to try and tackle uh, diffuse pea losses in the catchment. Um, now that northern, sorry, that southern field there on the screen, we had identified as a critical source area and particularly to the, to the south of that field. So what we've done in that area, the blue line represents the river channel and in between the meanders on the river channel, you can see the green highlight, the green hatch there. That's where we put extended buffers. And, what it, and relaxed it for the remainder of it. And what it meant, it meant that we could keep the fence straight and keep tension in the wire. And this is something that the landowner had helped design with us. And it also meant that from a perspective of the landowner, it looked as if they weren't losing as much ground as, as would have to be if that was a more uniform buffer. So it looked as if it was a, a very palatable solution to the landowner, whilst it was also serving air purpose and potentially intercepting any overland flow. Now within those areas, we are proposing to plant willow um, and the reason for that is that it can be cut back on an annual or a biannual basis to take the phosphorus back out of the buffer and that it doesn't cause us a problem down the line and the fact that it acts as a source in itself. Now this is something that the Group Water Scheme in Stranouden have committed to do and a Group Water Scheme Manager, James McGlone, uh, has, um, has put it on the agenda uh, and, and, and Chairman Paddy Ward put it on the agenda, source protection strongly on the agenda now and this is something that uh, they see as something that's just now as important as maybe fixing a leak or uh, adding a new connection to the scheme. Uh, where possible, we have tried to adapt, um, you know, existing uh, environmental measures, including the native woodland and the woodlands for water. Um, in this particular example, this is what's planned. In this particular example, we see on the right-hand side, we have sediment issues there, the, the bank erosion and hydromorphological pressures. So the undisturbed setback that comes with the woodlands for water program was a very obvious choice in this particular instance. And in addition to helping restore that bank, it will point two, three hectares of, of woodland there to also intercept any overland flow. Now, monitoring progress, a key stage to the framework is to keep monitoring to make sure, number one, that we don't have future problems that we're unaware of, but number two, and maybe just as importantly, that the measures that we have put in place, we can evaluate to make sure that they're making a difference, because if they're not, we need to go back uh, and tailor it uh, and tweak it. And just if, for example, in the Sir Newton catchment, we still have exceedances in MCPA, despite the fact that we have such a good buy-in. Now, we are seeing we can see some improvements in it, but there are still problems. But what we need to do now is to sort of go back and look at some of them unmonitored tributaries in Dara Valley catchment, maybe focus some of our resources to sampling in that area, as opposed to now the, the areas we know there's not just quite the same problem. So that's, that's something that's very, very important. And just to finish, um, I just want to draw your attention to a handbook on source protection and mitigation actions that the Federation, again, with the help of an awful lot of people, developed Donald Daly, developed before um, Christmas there. Um, 
there's actually over 50 references to material that was produced by Chagisk and the Department of Agriculture themselves. And it's this handbook really is pulling all those actions together in one place that we can hope now that schemes and indeed anyone else that's working in this particular sector can use to try and promote uh, source protection in drinking water catchments. And finally, just want to, before I go, draw your attention to the EPM uh, mapping and the catchment maps. The ZOCs and the surface water catchments for all group water schemes that have been completed to date and they will be updated in the coming months are available on that. So if anybody is doing any work and they would like to check to see, am I in a drinking water catchment? That is your first uh, protocol. So um, thank you very much for listening and that's the end of my presentation. That's great. Uh, Patrick, thanks very much for excellent presentation. And in case anyone is wondering what ZOCs are, zones of contribution. Sorry, zones of contribution, exactly. <laughs> My apologies. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. so Sean, we're going to go straight into your presentation and um, we will take questions afterwards. So if you do have any questions for both our speakers, please do use the Q&A tab at the bottom of your screen. And uh, we'll hand over to you now, Sean. I suppose, like, like I was saying there, I started with the project now at the implementation stage. So a lot of the work had been carried out on the framework and on the source protection measures as well. Uh, so the source protection measures have been identified when I got there. So it was my, my role actually is to implement, implement the source protection measures. As you can see here, the map of the Rathcrohan area in Roscommon, which is the area that I'm kind of concentrating on, it's a substantial area, it's 200 square kilometers. Now, obviously it's, it's very difficult to tackle that area straight away. So what we've done is we've, contact, we've concentrated on the Midross Common Group Water Scheme here in the middle, and the Curragh Cray Group Water Scheme, where we have two very good uh, full-time managers down there, Noel Carroll and Thomas Rush. And I think what's very important for ourselves as, as a Federation of Water Schemes is our local connection with people on the ground, with the farming community on the ground. And I think it's, it's an area why the project is going to be successful is because we have such a close tie with the local community. It's not somebody from outside coming into the community, it's people within the community themselves working to get projects done. Now this little circle here on the top right hand side of the slide just shows the interconnectivity of everything within the catchment and it was a, it was a, a diagram taken from on Formishka and it just shows the interconnection between water, our ecosystems, soil and the environment as well. You know by protecting one of these things, by protecting the soil, by protecting the ecosystems, we're also protecting water as well and that will become fairly evident in, the, in my own presentation as it goes through. So the principle of our project itself, it's a principle of mutual respect, working with the farming community and with the wider community as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, without the farming community, we would not have a piped water supply in many, many parts of rural Ireland. The farmers were, I suppose, integral to the setting up of group water schemes many decades ago. Uh, they allowed us to put their networks within their farms themselves to allow us to get piped water to families and to farming communities as well. And we work not just with the farming community, but with the wider community as well, as I'll explain as we go along. I suppose most stories kind of start at the beginning, but I just want to kind of show you this slide. It's, it's really at the end of our presentation to show you what we've achieved. And I'm going to tell you how we, how we achieved it now as, as, as we go along. The Midross Common Group Water Scheme, some of our mitigation measures, we had we have four kilometres of fencing on the Midross Common Group Water Scheme to protect uh, drains, to protect rivers, that lead to our water source and the Cora Craig water scheme with 2.6 kilometers which are due to be put in after Christmas when the weather gets a bit better to go out on the land. Now the farmers in these particular areas as well haven't just allowed us to put a fence along the, the, the drains along the rivers to protect the water courses. They've also given us a three and a half meter buffer zone as well to protect from nutrient runoff, from slurry, from chemicals as well and there's a biodiversity element to this project as well. It's not all about fencing. This is uh, one of our first farmers to get involved, a guy called Edward Payne. Edward and his, his wife, Jennifer, their son, Ben, and their dad, Jim. Um, There's there actually no need for any cost measures to implement source protection measures on their particular land. What they have done is they've, they've reduced inputs in particular areas, which has been very, very helpful to ourselves. So not, not every measure has to be about fencing. You know, there are a lot of measures that can be done on farms as well that don't require any actual cost. And this is very beneficial to us. And we also have a lot of help from Kieran Kenny from the ASAP program, 
who's been great and given us some kind of guidance. And we actually learned a lot from uh, Edward and his family as well doing this project. When we first started out, we wanted to find out what the barriers were. So we went out and we spoke to about 13 farmers across the catchment in Roscommon and listened to what their concerns were about implementing source protection measures and also listened to you know, what they wanted to do. So they felt, some of the farmers felt there was an isolation and that there was a blame game. They felt that certain people, certain elements of society were pointing the finger at farmers and blaming them for all that is, I suppose, negative in rural Ireland for pollution. You know, we know that's not the case. We know that the farming community are there to, to help us uh, implement what we're trying to achieve. They also felt that there was knowledge gap, not just amongst themselves, but also amongst ourselves as well. Like, you know, they felt that we didn't know a huge amount about farming in certain circumstances, but they also felt themselves that they didn't know exactly what they had to do to protect their water schemes, to protect the water courses. There was also practical worries as well about delays in farm payments and worries about loss in farm payments as well. Like if they were to implement measures that took land away from their own production, you know, to put in buffer zones, to put in riparian areas, they were worried that there could be a delay or they were worried that there could be a loss in farm payment. And we worked very, very closely with the department on this to reassure the farmers on the projects that we're working on that there won't be any delays or any losses. But the positives that we found as well, that they wanted to engage, they wanted to get involved, but they also wanted clear direction. They wanted to know exactly what they had to do so that they could improve the quality of their water sources. This is the Curragh Cray Group water scheme and one of our managers there, Thomas Rush, a fantastic community guy, works very, very well in his community, very well known, very well respected. And as I said earlier on, I think having group water scheme managers, group water scheme boards within the catchments has been a fantastic help to ourselves. You know, these people are well known, they're well respected, they know people to talk to, they know the lay of the land, and it's not somebody coming in from an outside organization. Um, this slide actually shows the interconnection of what we're trying to achieve in our catchment. The red line here is the Curragh Cray Group Water Scheme catchment. So everything that happens within this area here will have an impact on, our, on the quality in our water source. The blue dots are three swallow holes. And as Patrick mentioned, you know, I'm working in a karst area in Roscommon where groundwater you know, it has the complexities as well of being fed by surface water. But a lot of what's happening in Roscommon is actually happening underground and we cannot see it, which makes it even more complicated. Now the yellow dots here are locations of beehives. And what we did in Roscommon, we introduced a program called the Let It Be Project, where we gave farmers beehives, bee equipment, uh, bees, and a mentor as well for, for a two-year period. And what the, bee, what the Let It Be Project has done, it's given another level of awareness. And as Thomas Rush said himself, like, you know, if we can protect bees, we can also protect our water sources as well. Like, you know, if you, if you have a farmer, you give him a beehive, he has to create a habitat for that beehive, for the bees to survive. He has to be careful of the inputs onto the land, pesticides that they use. And what we're finding on the Common Group Water Scheme, the people that we're giving beehives to are, give, are going out and they're talking to people within their local community about the dangers that pesticides can pose. Here are some of our Let It Be families. Um, Kelly's, the Nally's. Nally's a fantastic family that we work with on the Mid Common Group Water Scheme. Uh, they're, some of their young children are actually beekeepers as well. And they've actually, they're doing a young, uh, Sarah, one of the, the ladies there is doing a young scientist project about the damage of domestic pesticides. Um, the pains here, when we gave them their, their beehives, Edward and the son, we went down, uh, we were putting the beehives in place. Uh, ben, who I think was eight or nine at the time, asked the question, what do bees eat? And their dad, um, Ed asked, you know, what does them damage? So by educating people on the damage that pesticides can do to bees, we're also having a direct impact on the water quality within the catchment itself. Anyone that's taken part has also got one of these plaques. Uh, it's, it's, it's displayed very proudly on their front walls, their front gates. And it's actually led to a lot of conversations in the local community as well, a lot of interest. One of the areas that I, I highlighted when we spoke to farmers is they felt that there was a lack of I suppose that there was an isolation and that there was a, a finger being pointed at them in, in certain cases. Um, so we developed a program to educate the wider community on what they can do to help to protect our water sources as well. Ross Common is a karst area and anything that you spray can go straight down through the ground and end up in your, in your water, water course. So we developed a program called I planted a tree and my garden is pesticide free. 
And this was kind of championed by Noel Carroll, our manager on the Midross Common Group Water Scheme. Uh, we, had, we had a fantastic uptake from 88 out of 91 schools across Roscommon, where we gave every school child, every national school child in County Roscommon, a native Irish woodland tree for their garden to plant. And um, we educated them on the damage that pesticides can do, not just to their water course, but to biodiversity as well. Uh, we also sent out a questionnaire to each of the families in the national schools in Roscommon. We've yet to receive any of them back. Uh, sorry, we've received a few of them back actually, and we found that there is a lack of knowledge on the damage that pesticides can do to your, to your local community, to your local water source. We've also found that a lot of people are more interested in biodiversity than they are in water as well, which is very good for us to know as, as educators. The project actually got recognised in Europe recently. It won a, a European B Award for Land Management Practices. So it's, 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 I suppose it's great for everybody involved in the project. It kind of gives them a bit of a lift to know that something that's happening in Roscommon is being recognized as a European leader. And um, the award was given before Christmas. Um, and again, a lot of credit has to go to, to Roscommon County Council as well, who are really kind of championing the project on the ground and Catherine Finley and her team. We don't just, I suppose, raising awareness is one of the big issues as well. We wanted to, in sense a or sorry instill a sense of pride into what we were trying to achieve in the community and it, it's working out very well a lot of the families that are involved now are very proud of the work that they're doing so we we developed an education campaign to go to local marts we did a an hour slot on a local community radio as well where our farmers and group water scheme managers and ourselves spoke about the work that we're doing across the county uh, Catherine Finley, Roscommon County Council, is championing the work across through the local councillors as well. It's very important. Uh, local councillors carry a lot of weight across counties, and it's important that they're aware of what's happening as well. Um, Noel Carroll, our group water scheme manager, we've instilled uh, drinking water fountains as well. Like this project is about sustainability, and we wanted to give people, wanted to make water. I suppose the centre of a parish as well. Years ago, you said the local parish pump, and it's something that's often spoken about in a political sense. But there was, in the 50s and 60s, areas across counties where the only place you could get drinking water was in, in your local parish from your local parish pump. So we put the parish, we put a modern day version back of our parish pump in in areas across Roscommon as well. And I suppose just to go back to this slide here, I think it's important to kind of let you know how the project has developed. I have the farmers kind of numbered here as, as they came on board on the program. I just wanted to let you know how that occurred. Um, farmer one, we, we actually approached the first farmer, farmer number one on our scheme to, to get involved in the project. And he put up a post on Facebook and farmers two and three actually read, the, read about the, 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 the post on Facebook and they came and talked to us. They in turn then went off and spoke to farmers three, five, six, seven, eight and nine. So, you know, this is very much a farmer-led project uh, on the ground. So, you know, we, we kind of point the directions in which we want to go, which, one, which we want the mit mitigation measures to take place. And a lot of the work is, is being kind of spread by word of mouth by the farmers on the ground themselves. They're seeing what their neighbours are doing. They're talking about it and they want to get involved, which is fantastic for ourselves as well, because we feel this is the key to, to a sustainable project. It's not being driven by an external body it's been driven by somebody local within the community itself. We also received a call there just before Christmas from a group in Caleglin, uh, which is about 30 miles from this project. They heard about our project on the radio. They wanted to get involved as well. So, you know, it, we think that what we're doing is working. Uh, we're, we're seeing farmers wanting to get involved. And the motivators that we're seeing as well is, you know, it's not just about protecting the local water supply. The farmers that have got involved, that have been given bees, they want to provide a habitat and food for their bees. And by providing the habitat and food for their bees, in the case that I showed you about the fencing in Midross Common, they've also provided riparian zones as well to protect our water supply. So the benefits for the farmers is to have a habitat for their bees. The benefit for us is we have an improved quality of raw water, drinking water. One of the farmers as well, wanted to improve biodiversity. He wanted to, I suppose, go back to his youth where he kind of felt that, you know, that hedgerows had been lost across a lot of farming areas. He wanted to put in new, new hedgerows, he wanted to grow wild meadows. 
he just wanted to bring himself back to when he was a young fella and when he heard, could hear the bees singing. He spoke about driving from Roscommon to Dublin years ago. And by the time he got to Dublin, his windscreen will be covered in bugs and insects and that's not the case anymore. And he missed that. And other farmers just wanted to help the local community and wanted to help their neighbours. So there are lots of different motivation factors as well. It's not just about protecting our water supply. We have to find out what motivates the farmers to get involved. I suppose finally, our next steps are, I just wanted to acknowledge Kieran Keniachi from ASAP, who has been a great help to ourselves. We're not farmers. And one of the things that was highlighted to ourselves when we went out speaking to the farming community was, you know, we weren't farmers. And it's great to have somebody like Kieran Kenny that we can kind of call on for advice. And Kieran is actually working with a lot of the contractors in the area now. He's doing a survey with them, trying to come up with an educational program for the contractors in the area to talk about setback distances for slurry because we have one of our biggest problems within the area is uh, very high levels of E. coli. A lot of the garden centers have come on board with us to, I suppose, give information to, to, to families about non-pesticide products that they can use in their gardens. Uh, Catherine Finley, Roscommon County Council is working hard within the local authority itself to highlight the, the problems of pesticides and to see if we can come up with alternative solutions. And finally, um, one of the things that gets highlighted in rural areas is, is rural isolation. And we have uh, Thomas Rush, one of our managers, he actually works with the HSC and he's come on board. He's got four workshops within Roscommon County Council itself that work with people that have mental health needs, mental health um, difficulties. And they're actually making B hotels for 300 families across our group water schemes as well. So it's, there's a social aspect to the program as well, not just an aspect of improving our water quality. And by having the social aspect, we feel we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have more sustainability in the projects as well. Okay, that's it. Thanks very much, Sean. Excellent presentation again, and really innovative measures being being used, employed there in, in Roscommon. And uh, Patrick, you, you're welcome to, to join us again, um, and uh, Pat Murphy as well. So we have some lots of interesting questions coming through from our uh, viewers today, um, and, and, and a comment there for, for both of you, just to say the excellent work and excellent presentations by both Patrick and, and Sean. So congratulations to all of the, the work that's going on in the groundwater schemes uh, and the NFGWS. Um, the, uh, you mentioned ASAP, and I think we probably should uh, explain that to, to our, our viewers today, that it is a, a, a scheme that's our program that's being delivered by Chagas on the Ground. It's a joint industry program. Um, it's called the Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advisory Program, and it's, it's uh, delivered by advisors, Chagas advisors on the ground throughout the country. Uh, we have a question here uh, asking about the, the, the degree of overlap that's between uh, the ASAP uh, scheme and to what extent uh, is there collaboration there between um, Chagisk uh, or the ASAP program and the NFGWS and, and maybe other areas where that could be improved into the future? Yeah, I suppose I can answer that one, Patrick, if it's all right. Uh, I, know, I know at a higher level, Barry works very, very closely with Noel and the ASAP program and on a personal level myself you know I, all I have to do is pick up my phone and, and ring here and Kenny speak to Mary Roach as well I spoke to Mary yesterday you know so there is a lot of collaboration going on there Um, you know there is an overlap Kieran is very interested in the work we're doing we we're interested in what he's doing as well uh, we spoke with Kieran actually last February and we were due to run a program to to train Lorry contractors on setback distances, and Kieran really took the bull by the horns there, and he's produced a fantastic questionnaire. He's going out talking to talking to the contractors there to find out the, the levels of uh, knowledge and deficits of knowledge as well. So there is there is a big overlap there, and this project is all about collaboration. It's about working with everybody who wants to get involved. The more people that get involved, the more chances the project of being a success. Yeah, can, can I add to that, baby Mark, as well, Sean, in terms of um, future works with ASAP as well, um, at the minute there's probably about 80 to 90 schemes that are currently within an area for action, so therefore they would be on 
in areas that ASAP are currently working in. Now, for um, going forward, we're trying to propose that a large number of Group War schemes are in the next river basin cycle or included in areas for action. So we do strongly see that there'll be a great link between ASAP's work and our own work, particularly if they are included in areas for action under the next cycle of the River Basin Management Plan, uh, Mark. Thanks, thanks for that. Uh, Patrick, you shared a slide there showing the, the weed wiping uh, that's going on there in, in Monaghan. Uh, could you just uh, tell us a little bit more about that in, in terms of the funding behind that? Yeah. Um, and there's a question here that um, it says weed wiping for 70 farmers that, it, uh, that took it up. Uh, so did, did the program get uh, an approved contractor and uh, use local weed wiping contractors? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So I suppose um, to answer the first part of that question is the group water scheme um, through, through the funding of the project paid for the actual uh, service. Now it worked out very reasonable because the scheme themselves purchased the equipment, we'll say the quad, and they appointed for the duration of the works an actual um, contractor to work individually or exclusively with the scheme. So I know it, it, there's a fight sometimes for contractors in silage season, you know, there's always a demand on and, and particularly when we're spraying, you know, if it's a case that you can't go to the farmer there now, it mightn't suit their particular uh, schedule. So it was very important that the actual scheme themselves took full control over that. And in terms of uh, the legislation and the qualification of it, it was a fully approved um, individual or individuals that were operating the machinery. Um, it's a different course, just to point out, to operate a weed wiper, it's a different course as opposed to your traditional or conventional boom sprayer. So it's a separate course that you have to do and um, all personnel involved in that were involved in that. But it worked out quite reasonable. And certainly if you, if you look at the cost that it would take to, to treat the MCPA, the activated carbon, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands to millions to take it out of the scheme. It's actually cheaper for the scheme to run off a service like this than it is maybe to, to retrofit and to, to reactivate the carbon when it gets used up. So, yeah. Okay, thank you. A uh, huge amount of questions coming through here, Pat. Um, could you share uh, maybe a few? Uh, I suppose just a, a, a query about the extent of the this these type of projects across the group water schemes. Are they moving across all water, group water schemes, or are they limited to to pilots at this point? Well, sorry, Sean. Did I just to start with? I suppose the the pilots started in two thousand and eighteen and and are due to well continue on past twenty twenty one. But certainly that's whenever. The three years will be up, but there's a number of schemes that have started. Um, Maracloon Group Water Scheme in County Monaghan have done something very similar, and um, Gowland Group Water Scheme in Cavan is another. And indeed, prior to maybe the, the, the framework being developed, there were schemes that were early adapters like Blackstairs that had um, also put in their own measures. So now, really, we're trying to push that out even further. There's still a fairly limited number involved, but in 2020, 20, 2021, 2022, we've a large number now that we've preliminary booked in to do this sort of work and we see that come the end of the third river cycle um, that hopefully there'll be a lot of plans integrated source protection plans developed across the sector yeah we have just to just right. as well like you know we have um you know the all of the schemes as well have their catchments delineated and we have we are developing training programs and managers as well you know that the handbook that donald daly helped us to produce that contains a lot of information from chagas is a handbook for all managers as well. You know, we have training programs for our quality assurance, and this is very much going to be part of that as well. So we do see it being rolled out to a lot of schemes like these. The purpose of these pilots is just to kind of see what works, see what doesn't work. The initiatives that we developed in Roscommon now can be transferred to other schemes across the across the country as well. So the purpose is to to make them transferable, and the the um, some of the initiatives as well are actually being transferred to the Newport catchment, which is an Irish water catchment. So it's it's about learning, it's about sharing information, it's about, I suppose, it's it's all taxpayers' money. So we want whatever we do to be able to be transferable, to be to be scalable as well. There's a, a couple of questions, and it comes up fairly regularly when we're looking at, at measures about the eligibility for basic payment of the um, excluded zones or the, the fenced-off areas. Um, any views on that or any issues arising from that? Yeah, there, there are questions that came up and, you know, we've worked very closely with ASAP on this as well. And I suppose the guidance that we've been given for, the, for our source protection projects is if there's a need to protect your water sources, and if we can get sign up from the ASAP program, then there's going to be no loss in basic farm payments. Um, there are still issues now, well, I wouldn't say issues, there are still questions to be answered maybe on the GLOSS scheme, 
Um, but what we found is that people that we've dealt with or that we're working with, it hasn't affected them at all. We just have to take care on the, on the gloss scheme in particular. Uh, but on the basic farm payments, we've had, we've had no problems. Okay. Uh, a, a fairly specific question. As part of your monitoring, have you looked at, at uh, microplastics or nanoplastics? Is there any, has there been any monitoring of, of uh, that nature? Uh, no, not, not, not just yet, uh, Pat, but that's going to become much more uh, relevant now this year, moving on with the, the recast drinking water directive, that there's going to have to be an assessment on uh, the microplastics for both surface waters and groundwater. So at the minute, we're sort of revising what sort of monitoring program schemes need to start to put into place. And certainly microplastics, in addition to a number of other new parameters, will, will, be, will be assessed. There's a, a, a lot of questions uh, asking, well, how do we uh, start engaging like this with, with communities? Uh, what do we need to do to, to uh, or who do we contact to start uh, projects like this? I suppose that the important thing is to get out there and start talking to people and listening to people. And if there are problems, you know, try and come up with solutions. What, what, I think what the farmers have liked about this project is we're not going in with a big stick and kind of pointing fingers at people. You know, we're kind of saying, you know, this is the pro these are the problems that we're having. You know, how can you help us? What can, what, what can we do to help? And, you know, the, 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 I suppose the feedback we've got from the farming community has been fantastic. You know, it, it's, 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 um, I think talking and listening to people is really, really important and not just going in with orders and telling people they have to do certain things. Yeah. And I suppose to back that up as well, the particular in Cernuden, the particular impacted uh, subcatchment um, is actually served by the group water scheme themselves. So it's their own drinking water, really. So by making that connection with the river at the bottom of the field, that it actually is their own drinking water, be it themselves or the livestock that are drinking, um, that's, that is a great way of opening the doors and engaging with people. Yeah, a question here, is the requirement for a paid uh, source protection officer a stumbling block for group water schemes in moving forward towards uh, embracing source protection? Well, I, I, I think time is, is always a big concern as well, but it, I suppose it's education. You know, our, we've some fantastic managers on the ground and what we have to try and do is we have to, we have to try and educate our managers to, to have source protection as part of their daily duties as well. On the, on the ground itself. You know, it, it's the impact that problems within the catchment can have on your drinking water supply are massive. So it, it's important that, you know, source protection becomes part of, of a manager's daily work. And I suppose the education program that we hope to, to run out to our managers across the country will highlight the need to, to include source protection in their daily roles as well. And Mark, you might be yeah, there's um, a comment here from Eddie Burgess, who's the um, the manager of the Agricultural Catchments Programme, and he was just saying that uh, the two of the catchments with the best water quality are the only ones with group water schemes. So I suppose it's a reflection of the the attention uh, that's given to, to water quality in those areas or how, how focused people are on it. Um, I, I know we've largely been talking about water quality today, but uh, in terms of water quantity, uh, we have seen over some of the, the past uh, summers uh, shortages in some parts of the country. Is, is that an issue that you're coming across or is that uh, something that you're seeking to tackle? Because I know from my, my previous experience with water quality, I know as you uh, try to extract more from a well, you're, you're drawing from a, a wider uh, zone of contribution. And, and of course that brings additional risks with it. Uh, maybe you'd like to comment on that. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Like in terms of yeah, water quantity, um, the droughts, I suppose, where it becomes very vulnerable, um, some of our schemes down in the south, maybe where there's more of a problem with the nitrate, um, it's very important, therefore, that we get the source protection measures right in them particular areas because the fact that the, the, the water levels are dropping means there's, there's less dilution and our nitrate levels are going up. So it's very, it comes back to actual source protection again in terms of getting the source protection measures right in, in, in the verse in the climate. And therefore, in terms of water quantity as well, too much water can also be a problem in, to, in the catchment as well, you know, from flooding and, and different problems that flooding can, can cause. So it's very important that as part of this project, we're trying to implement more woodland and biodiversity and to encourage the, 
that the degradation of bog land doesn't happen, that, you know, that there is these sinks in the catchment that can hold up the water and basically not cause a surf protection issues. And indeed, some of the Dromore catchment is quite prone to flooding, as we've seen in that video. So you have to consider that when we're putting in our buffer strips and our fencing as well, because there's probably no point in doing it if it's going to go down the river in the next uh, flood event, really, like, you know. Um, we're, all, we're also very cognizant as well, Mark, about uh, leak detection and reducing water usage as well. So we have education programs on water usage, water demand. Uh, the group water schemes are actually metered as well, which, which we find is a great, great help to ourselves. You know, we know where the water is going. Um, I know it's a topic that probably wasn't the most popular uh, a number of years ago, but the, the fact that we have meters on our, on our, on our supplies is, is, is very helpful to ourselves as well. And I suppose one of the multi, a, multi, a scheme in multi Farnham, which is part of the source protection program in Roscommon, I know it's a Westmead um, group water scheme. They actually have problems with uh, water quantity, water, water demand in the summer. So to help their source, they've got a leakage detection program as well. So, you know, it is something we're very cognizant of as well. Uh, we are uh, just about to see a, a review of the, the nitrates directive, uh, the common agricultural policy with associated uh, agri-environmental schemes. Are there any measures you'd like to see uh, appearing in, in those uh, two, two uh, uh, vehicles uh, for, for change? I mean, what you're doing obviously is a, a great example of, of working on the ground with farmers, a bottom-up approach. Uh, but is there some, are there measures that you think uh, could uh, have, have an impact uh, on water quality in Ireland or have, have, have high impact? Yeah, well, I think maybe um, if we take the, the Stranudin example again from a phosphorus perspective, um, the way phosphorus works in an overland flow, if you want to intercept it, you need a sufficient size of buffer. Um, and at, at the minute, I know a lot of schemes out there would have standard uniform buffers of 1.5 or, or, or slightly greater in some schemes. To intercept overland flow, that probably won't be enough in certain cases, certainly in the more um, intensive overland uh, route paths, it won't intercept the flow. So I think there needs to be more consideration maybe given to the smart buffer and the dynamic buffer approach whereby in certain parts of the land holding that the, the buffer is extended out and maybe it can be relaxed in other areas. And that that also might be a trade-off in the fact then that the farmer or the landowner won't lose a uniform set of land, but it can be you know, better designed on a site-by-site -site basis. Now, I know that can be quite tricky and um, it could take a lot of resources to do that, but I suppose that's where the, the agricultural um, advisors come into play as well um, with their expertise and that, and that sort of sort of um, um, methods. I guess I briefly as well, I, I think it's important as well, like, you know, farmers have families, you know, they have people to go to college, they have bills like everyone else. I think it's important as well that measures that are in, in, introduced to protect everybody has to be has to come from some has to come from somewhere, and that farmers aren't penalised financially for doing things that are over are over and above to, to help protect our, our water sources as well. You know, we have to produce food, we have to feed families, but we also have to look after the environment as well. So I think it's important that all of these things are taken into into consideration, and that again, it's not a big stick approach, it's not a finger pointing exercise. It's by working with people, listening to people. And I suppose there was a term there used, the bottom up. Like, you know, I, I think on the ground, I think we have to kind of reverse that around. And I think it should be from the top up. I think, you know, that the farmers should be, the people working on the ground should be classified as the top. And it's, it's working the other way up. I think it's just a, a change of mindset from us all that way. I think by, again, by working with everybody together, I know it sounds very cliched, but by talking and listening to people and getting them involved and finding out what motivates them, I think we have a lot more chance of getting these projects being successful. There's a question you talk about turning things around and, 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 and bottom up. The, you, you mentioned earlier the, the systems you've got from Irish Water and from the county councils, but are the Irish Water and county councils starting to look at what you're doing and, and starting to learn from them in terms of the approaches they take for the, the sources that they, that they are using? Yeah, well, we actually, we're going to replicate parts of this in, in the Newport catchment. And I suppose I, Irish Water, I suppose, lent me over, or sent me over to, to the Federation as well for, for a year period initially, and it's, it's extended to a two-year period. So, like, you know, there are very strong bonds there. I think they do recognise the, the role that the National Federation of Group Water Schemes has, particularly in rural Ireland, and our close connection with the farming community, our close connection with people on the ground. Um, it is important to say that some of the farmers that have got involved in this initiative don't actually get water from 
our group water schemes. They get water from the public supply as well, uh, but they still want to do their bit for their neighbours as well. So, you know, th there is a strong sense of collaboration and there is a real sense, like, you know, that we are in this together and we want to learn from each other. Yeah, I just add that in terms of the stream project, Monon County Council have been um, very supportive of it. Um, indeed, actually, before we came into the catchment, they had done some of the works with the landowners themselves um, in terms of testing the soil and, and various bits and pieces on the importance of lime in your ground. And as part of this project, they've been um, very helpful to, to Ross McDonald and to James McGlone in the erection of signage around the catchment to make people be aware that you're in a drinking water catchment. And indeed, Ross has been um, liaising with the council about um, this, this, uh, and the tidy towns and some of some of the more community groups about um, you know the application of pesticides in a domestic setting. So we've been getting a lot of support from those particular organisations for um, a, a number of problems as well. Okay, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Patrick and Sean, thank you so much for your your time and uh, the excellent work that you're doing uh, in your in your catchments. Great example of. Uh, maybe top, top up uh, approaches, as, as you quite rightly say, Sean, uh, and, and using nature to, to, uh, to, to, to support what we're trying to do at a catchment level. Um, so thank you again. Uh, just to let you know that next week, uh, we will be speaking to Dale Cramond, who's uh, working in the Department of Agriculture. And Dale is going to be talking to us about the new ag climatize uh, strategy that the Department of Agriculture has put together uh, and with the view to reducing uh, Ireland's gaseous emissions from agriculture. Uh, so do join us next Friday for that. Uh, so finally, I just want to say thank you to our production team, Andy Boland, Catherine Keena, Pat Murphy, and Yvonne Maher, and to all of our partners. Uh, and uh, please do take care during this lockdown. And uh, we hope uh, this, this series of, is, is of some uh, support to you during uh, these strange times. And uh, do please send us any feedback you have and if you'd like to stay in touch with Chagas, uh, do sign up to the Chagas Connected Digital uh, Programme where you get updates on uh, latest events and uh, publications from Chagas. So with that, uh, thank you again, and uh, we hope to see you next week. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagas Signpost Series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson, and thanks for listening.